You're going to be one of my distributors. I need somebody else. Oh, are you heading out? Oh, it looks like you are. I know. I'm going to... No, she's going to help. Okay. And then I want to pray too. All right. Taylor. All right. Can you give one of these to everybody? Yeah. I'm, I, I don't mess around. Were you here last time I preached? Can you? Oh. Super organized when they preach because it's the polar opposite of, of me when I preach. Oh, uh, like I just see how much how unprepared I am. Well, no, no, no. But like, the thing is, like, people learn differently, and I know I like to have visual and hearing, so oh, yeah. that's why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you give five of these? They're already give these to everybody, and the stack too. No, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. The flashcards, I'll explain in a second. What? What? Yeah. Why? Oh, it looks similar. No, it's different. Well, there's no pretty PowerPoints, that's why. So I just was like, okay. Grogan. Hello, 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 all right, everybody, oh, okay, wait, T minus one minute, here, six, Hello? she can just preach to us about you and how you are. Um, I pray that all the words that come out of her mouth are speaking from you and only you. And I pray that Blair has 
the right words. Amen. <laughs> I just want to add on to that. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for tonight, Lord, and thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to uh, speak on your behalf, Lord. Um, sincerely humbled, and I just pray, God, that Holy Spirit, you just go before me and... Um, you just prepare hearts tonight to just tune into what is going to be said, God, because I know a lot of people are suffering from condemnation, God, and not um, discerning conviction from condemnation, God, in that um, you are a champion, God, and you don't talk to us like we're nothing, God. You, you treasure us so much. So, God, I just pray that um, those chains that are bonding us right now, God, I pray that you start to break those, Father, and um, that your truth is just spoken tonight, God, and that I can be your mouthpiece, God, and I know that you didn't choose me because of anything I've done, God, but I'm so humbled that I have this opportunity, Lord, to be able to speak on your behalf, Lord, to speak truth. So, God, I just pray that your truth pierce each and every person that's here tonight, and uh, just thank you so much for their dedication towards you, Lord, and I just pray that tonight they continue to just, um, they can use this as a tool, Father God, to just continue to grow closer to you, Lord, and know that you love them so much. You love us so much that you gave your one and only son for us. So I just pray, God, that we can sit in that tonight, God, and understand that we are wicked. And um, in our wickedness, God, you gave your one and only son to die for us. And I just pray that we really hold on to that and uh, really understand what you did for us, God. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for this night. I just pray that there be no distractions. I rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. And I ask, God, that you just be in the midst. Um, yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I have for everybody a little handout. And uh, it's not super like, um, there's little parts that you can write in, but a lot of it's just like notes and stuff um, that you can add on. You can take your additional notes on the side or whatever you want to do. Um, I'll try to let you know when we hit certain points, but like, um, I'll just review it really quickly. Um, we have a table that we'll fill in together. Tonight's going to be really interactive, so I want you guys to like be speaking with me. You know, like I, if I ask a question, I want you guys to actually raise your hand and respond back to me, okay? And then um, the backside, just so I, or like from the bottom down to the backside, those are scriptures, and where the line is, that's where you're going to write in the scripture. I'm going to have it on the screen, and then um, and then I'll discuss the bottom part. As far as the flashcards, hold off on those till the very end, and I'll explain what we're going to do with those. So yeah, super stoked. I just ask that everybody put away your cell phones um, and please don't use the excuse that you have your Bible on them. It's okay, I have the scriptures up here. So uh, please put away your Bible. I mean, oh, whoa, <laughs> I rebuke that. Um, please put away your phone and uh, keep your Bible out. So, all right, so uh, how many of you guys heard me speak at Christmas time? Can you guys raise your hands? Only a couple of you guys? Yeah, does anybody remember what I spoke on? Jesus is the answer. Um, all right, well, that's okay. But, um, all right, so tonight I wanted to start off my sermon kind of with a heart check, and that's why I asked for those of you who came and heard me during Christmas time, because I did this heart check. Um, because with this heart check, you really start to understand how wicked you are. I'm going to ask questions, and I'm going to have you guys close your eyes and stuff, and the thing is, what's going to happen is, the Holy Spirit's going to start to convict you. Yeah? He's going to start to be like, hey, you didn't honor your parents. You know, you lusted. You did this. You did that. And the thing is, as we go through those, you're going to understand, like, wow, I'm sinful. Because uh, a lot of times we like to go through the day deceived, thinking that, hey, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. But uh, when we really understand, you know, the standards that God has for us, then that's when we're going to understand how wicked we are, and that's going to really reinforce the importance of the gospel. So um, on your handout... I have, uh, I have the scriptures that kind of breaks down the gospel, and I just wanted to read through those really quickly. So we have uh, the beginning of the gospel. Before this, what happened in the beginning? Why did Jesus have to come? Somebody raise your hand. Whoa. <laughs> um, so uh, Adam and Eve, right? The enemy came to them. And he said, did God really say? And he, um, he said to them, you surely will not die. And man chose to listen to the lie instead of listening to God, the truth. And so from there, sin entered the world. And that's why, you know, the gospel came into play. That's why Jesus, God had to make this plan to redeem us. So our first scripture we're going to hit tonight is Romans 3.23. I'm just going to run through them. But I just wanted you guys to be aware. These are the main scriptures that follow the gospel. 
So uh, we got Romans 3.23, for all, who have, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then we have, um, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does that mean? Can somebody tell me what that means? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What was that? It's a gift. Because he didn't have to redeem us. You know, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey, he could have been like, eh, whatever. They can all go to hell, spend an eternity in darkness and pain and suffering. Yeah, a lot of times we don't hear about that in church. We only hear about the good news, but you can't appreciate the good news if you don't know the bad news. Um, so our next scripture is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard that scripture before. Uh, Romans 10, 9 through 13. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a pretty heavy one, yeah? Our next one is Romans 5:17. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So sin entered through Adam, right? And it was redeemed through one man, Jesus Christ. Pretty crazy, right? That all of the sin came into the world and affected all of us, but Jesus Christ came and now we have the choice not to be captive to that sin. Make sense? All right, um, and then we got, ooh, I'm kind of slacking over here. And then we got uh, Romans 5.17. Oh, did I do that one? Yep, I did that one. Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has done, the new is here. What does that mean? Can somebody uh, volunteer? Amen. Amen. And that means, too, that, yeah, we're going to stumble, but we're a new creation. We're not captive to sin anymore. That means that, yeah, we may sin, but it is not, like, it doesn't hold us back. We can repent. We have that power and that authority to repent and ask Jesus Christ to forgive us. And you can be forgiven from that sin. You don't have to go to hell. Um, Our next scripture is Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. So that just talks about after, you know, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, how important fellowship is. Yeah, that um, we come together, there's accountability, there's encouragement, there's fellowship, that we come together as a body. Um, and that's what Christ died for. He, he died for his bride. He died for the body. Um, and then Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your, your shield of faith, which you will extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that just talks about that. It shows hell is real. Every single day, there's a spiritual warfare going on, and that goes hand in hand with what's going to happen tonight and what I'm going to talk about tonight. Tonight, I'm talking about conviction and condemnation. And spiritual warfare is condemnation. Yeah, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Before that, um, we're going to do our heart check that I was talking about earlier. So if everybody can um, bow your head, close your eyes, yeah, and just really tune into the Spirit. Um, So Father God, I just pray. Um, that you just go in and through everybody's heart. Holy Spirit, reveal to them their trespasses, God, and I just pray that you encourage them, Lord, to come to you and repent, Lord, um, because you are faithful and just to forgive those who repent. So God, I just thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm gonna ask these questions. Uh, Keep your eyes and um, heads bowed, eyes closed, heads bowed. 
So uh, do you become jealous when other people get attention and either in mind or words, you need to find a reason to tear them down? Do you feel superior to most people around you as, you as if you are smarter than they are, more spiritual than they are, that you live a better life than they do or make better decisions than they do? Do you have a hard time admitting when you're wrong? Do you judge someone based on the way they look, talk, act, dress, who they hang around and what culture they are from before getting to know them? Do you grumble and roll your eyes when your parents or guardians ask you to do something? Do you offer to help your family around the house? Do you do random acts of kindness to or to initiate to show your parents or guardian that you appreciate them? Do you pick up after yourself at home? When talking to someone, do you put down someone else in order to bring yourself up? When someone shares something with you, do you use it as an opportunity to pray with them about that problem or do you talk about their problem to others? Do you like being the one who has the inside scoop on everyone's dirty laundry? Are you able to keep secrets when someone confides in you? When someone offends you, do you pray about it and then approach the offender with right motives? Or do you broadcast that offense to multiple people before praying about it and meeting with the offender? Have you taken something that wasn't yours? Have you taken or borrowed something with or without intentions to return it and never did? Do you turn a blind eye when someone is stealing? Have you felt like it was okay to take something that wasn't yours because the other person wouldn't miss it? Have you exaggerated about something, told only a part truth, or didn't tell the truth at all? Did you tell someone a compliment when you didn't mean it in order to gain favor from that person? Have you justified a personal habit of telling white lies? Do you say, oh my God? Do you use Jesus' name instead of swearing? Do you crave, fantasize about sexual intimacy with someone that you are not married to? Do you obsess or spend an unreasonable amount of time thinking about someone you're attracted to? In modern society, sex is prevalent in books, magazines, movies, music videos, and social media. When you see it, does it make you feel uncomfortable to watch? Do you turn away from it? If you know in your heart that it's wrong, do you change the channel, walk away from it, or keep watching? Are you reading books or magazines, watching movies or music videos, looking at people's Instagrams or Facebook profiles that are sexually arousing? Do you make it a point to always have the newest clothes, electronics, styles, etc.? Do you find yourself constantly comparing yourself to others, whether it be your body, possessions, image, intellect, athleticism, talents, spirituality, achievements, family, friends, etc.? Do, uh, do you feel a need to constantly be in a relationship with someone? Are you not happy being single and wish you were in a relationship? Have you broken the seventh commandment and have engaged in sex before marriage? If so, knowing that premarital sex is wrong, are you willing to wait until you're married to enjoy sex in the way that God intended it to be? Do you feel comfortable posting revealing pictures of yourself? Guys, are you posting pictures of your abs, muscles, bodies? Girls, are you posting pictures showing cleavage, your midsection, or your butt? Do you hope to receive attention from the opposite sex by revealing yourself or gain more likes for your pictures? Do you refrain from pointing out someone's sin because you are in fear of losing their friendship or becoming unpopular? When at a social event, do you refrain from using drugs, alcohol, and or profanity? Or are you trying to influence your friends to engage in inappropriate behaviors? Have you been exposed to an overload of lies in the media that you think it's okay to practice homosexuality or change your gender? Have you been exposed to an overload of lies that you think it's okay to engage in premarital sex, that it's okay to use marijuana for recreational use, that it's okay to physically, emotionally, or verbally abuse someone? So yeah, pretty heavy, right? I'm pretty sure everybody in here had more than one of those. And the reason why I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't want to go over that list was because I wanted to, you know, make you guys feel horrible about yourselves, but I really wanted you guys to understand that you need Jesus Christ in your life. And you need him to redeem you of your sins. That's really important. That's heavy. Because if not, and you know in the Old Testament days, every time somebody sinned, they would take a perfect and blameless animal and they would sacrifice it to God for just one sin. Count how many you just had. And imagine taking a bunch of, it's, I mean, that's not relevant this day and age. But think about every single sin. And just think about today, how many times you've sinned. And how many animals you would have to sacrifice to the Lord so that he wouldn't smite you with lightning. It's pretty crazy, right? But anyways, so um, during this time, the Holy Spirit probably showed you specific moments you know, that, that when I was reading off, like he took you back to a time that you did that. Um, but it just goes to show that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody is better than anybody else. 
You know, a lot of times we like to put people on pedestals, like our pastors or like the televangelists on TV or, you know, our brothers or sisters or whoever it is. But at the same time, like we're all sinful. And, uh, and why I wanted to go into this is because when we start to understand how wicked we are and how much we need Jesus, it can either lead us to conviction or condemnation. Does anybody know what conviction is? Anybody? Anybody? Yes, Victor. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's pretty much in a nutshell. We're, we're going to go into that a little bit more thoroughly. Um, and also why I kind of went over that list, too, is that, you know, even as sinful as we are, um, Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to be held in guilt and in bondage. And that's what condemnation does. So I'm going to go over those. I'm going to talk about conviction and condemnation, and then we're going to kind of discuss together. Um, so what is Condemnation. Condemnation comes from Satan is meant to tear you down. Condemnation continually points out what a failure you are and how badly you've messed up. Condemnation is showing you the problem but avoiding the solution. How many people can relate to that? Everybody should be raising their hands. All right, let me continue on. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Satan, on the other hand, is known for accusing the brethren. Yeah? So why won't you ever hear God telling you what a failure you are? Because Jesus said, I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. So who does um, condemnation come from? Yeah. So what are some examples of condemnation? Yeah. Not good enough, bad person. What is some more? You don't deserve Jesus' love. It's a huge one. Any others? All right, so moving on to conviction. Conviction is known in the Bible as godly sorrow. God's word tells us that godly sorrow is what leads us to repentance. And what is repentance? Amen. So repentance is forgiveness. When you repent of your sins, when you ask God for forgiveness and you turn back to God. So, um, sorry, I lost my place. Condemnation tells you, you are such a failure, look at what you did, while conviction tells you, come to me and I will forgive you. Not only is God for willing to forgive your sins, but he longs deeply, longs, deeply desires to do so. Isaiah thirty eighteen. therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. The Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those, all those who long for him. And it says in scripture 2, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, so yeah, conviction shows you the answer to the problem. Conviction shows you the blood of Jesus that wipes away your sins. So what are some examples of conviction? Anybody? Nice, nice. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So what's the difference? Conviction shows you the answer, the blood of Jesus Christ, which washes away sin, while condemnation shows you the problem, the sin, the past, and your failure. Condemnation shows you the problem, but conviction shows you the answer. Condemnation shouts out your past, your sins, you loser. But conviction shouts the blood of Jesus washes away sins, Come to Jesus and be forgiven of sins. You can be forgiven. Your sin and past don't have to be a part of you anymore. That's heavy, yeah? yeah. That the enemy, <laughs> that the enemy is the one who's like, hey, you suck. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not good enough. You're never going to be gentle enough or patient enough or God's never going to use you. You're stupid. You smoked weed last week. Yeah? God's never going to use you. Not saying that's okay, but you know what? Like if that's something you struggle with, come before the Lord and ask him to give you that strength. Um, so according to what's been said, let's go to our little table. Ooh, I'm a little behind. All right. So who does conviction come from? Whoa. Conviction. Conviction. Who does it come from? 
Jesus, God. And who does condemnation come from, Tati? Yes. All right. Does it provide an answer or the problem? Conviction. All right. What's condemnation? All right. Does it lead to hope or despair? Conviction. All right. And condemnation? All right. Does it result in joy or sorrow? Conviction? Condemnation? Does it enlighten or confuse you? Enlighten and confusion. Ooh, I'm a little behind. All right. Uh, Does it make us want to change? And condemnation? All right. Who does it redirect you, your focus on? Yes. And condemnation is on yourself. Does that make sense? Because conviction, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, he shows you. He's like, hey, like you're sinning, but it's okay. Jesus' blood wipes you clean, and he redirects you towards Jesus. He redirects you towards God. Condemnation is you kind of close in on yourself, and you're like, hey, I suck. I'm not going to church because everybody at church is so good, and um, I suck. Yes. Yeah, but conviction, it'll show you what, like, you know, when we were going through that time period of when I was asking you guys questions, conviction is going to show you, like, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, you did this wrong, but repent, ask God for forgiveness, and you'll be cleaned of your sins. Condemnation is when you're sitting on that sin, like, for a couple days, and you're just like, no, I don't want to ask God for forgiveness. I need to punish myself. I need to, I'm not good enough. Yeah. In a bad way, yes. I meant to say, does it, wait, wait, where am I? Yes, so condemnation makes you change for the worst. Conviction makes you change for the better. It redirects you to God, so it redirects you to Jesus. All right, any other questions? All right, um, does it comfort you or worry you? All right, and then condemnation? All right, and does it lead you to repentance? And condemnation? Yes. I mean, no, yes. Yes, you got what I'm saying. All right. Um, so, yeah, does that, does that make sense? Yes, question. Okay. So, what if, like, like, you know that you can be forgiven for your sins, but you constantly sin, like, just with that mindset that, oh, they're forgiving you. Like, See, that's where you go wrong. That's a sin, yeah. you know? So, that's, she was asking, like, um, Some people sometimes are like, oh, you know, I'll just continue in this sin because Jesus is going to forgive me. And that mindset is wrong. That shouldn't be our mindset. Our mindset should be like, hey, I'm going to do my best that I can. And if I sin, like, God forgive me, but I'm not going to use it as like a a catching net. Like, oh, it's okay. God's going to forgive me anyways. You know, because are you really a follower of Jesus Christ if you're just taking him for granted? Make sense? All right, so after all of that, what are some more examples of condemnation in your life? Like, I want personal examples. What are the things that the enemy has lied to you about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the enemy was condemning you. Yeah, because you were just sharing. And a lot of times what the enemy likes to do is like when there's truth being shared and you're speaking on God's behalf, as soon as you're done with that, he likes to attack you because he wants to keep you from sharing again. Like, same with church. Like, say, like, oh, you're, like, pumped for church all week, and then Saturday night comes, and then Sunday morning comes, and just, like, I don't feel like going to church today, you know, and then the enemy is trying to bring up all of these random excuses for you not to go to church. That's because he knows that what is going to be planted in you during church is so important. Like, for example, like Kaipo talked about last week, um, sometimes there's that one key phrase that changes your whole outlook and your walk with the Lord. And who knows? Like, maybe Satan knows that's coming, and that's why he's trying to keep you from going to Monday nights, or why he's trying to keep you from reading your Bible, or why he's trying to keep you from hanging out with people who are godly people. You know, he's going to distract you. I'm sure some of you guys have experienced that where you're reading your Bible, and then your phone goes off. Or you're reading your Bible, or you're praying, and somebody knocks at the door, right? 
because the enemy, he uses anything to distract you because he knows the truth that can come in that and he's trying to abort that. Does that make sense? Okay, so any other examples of condemnation? For me personally, this past semester, I was condemning myself because I was allowing the enemy to condemn me. (laughs) So I don't know if that makes sense, but basically I was getting so frustrated with myself that I wasn't seeing the enemy's lies, and then when I would see them, I just felt so stupid. I was just like, how did I even allow that to happen to me? I'm just so dumb, and it's like a cycle, and I just kept falling into like further and further condemnation. I was just like, wow, I suck. I'm never going to get this right. I'm not this. I'm not that. Blah, 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 blah. God's never going to use me, and that's why I'm sharing on this message, because it mainly um, became more prevalent in my life this past semester, um, because the more truth that, the, the, that God was revealing in my life, the more the enemy was trying to abort that. You know, because God has a purpose for each and every one of you in here. I don't care what you guys think. And if you're already like, nah, I don't think so, that's the enemy. You better uproot that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, because he knows that each and every one of you can be such a huge impact for the kingdom of God. Huge impact. But if he can get you now while you're young, he doesn't care about who you are now. But he cares about who you will be. Who you will be in the Lord. So if he can get you now while you're weak, yeah, he's going to go for you. He's going to go for the baby sheeps. Who do the lions usually go for? They either go for the weak ones or the babies, right? So if you're a baby Christian or if you're, you know, you're kind of shaky in your walk right now, you better believe the enemy's coming for you because he's trying to abort you. He does not want the purpose that God has for your life and he's going to do through you to ever happen. Make sense? I could talk about my husband, Tim Tebow, right now, but I'm sure you guys are so over that, but... Let me, shh, 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 BLT. Um, so I like to use this example because it's a physical expression of how the enemy likes to abort. And you can take this in a spiritual way. So um, when Tim Tebow, when his mother was pregnant with him, um, the doctors told her to abort him, right? And so his parents being such solid Christians were like, no, like, it's okay, we're gonna go through it, through with it, God's gonna provide, right? So just think if his parents made that one decision to abort him. Think about, I I don't know if you guys are aware of everything he's done. He's such an amazing person. He does so much for the kingdom of God. And just think about all of those fruits that would have been cut off right then and there. For example, like one of his games when he he was in college, he wore um, on his black strips, John 3.16. That day, 90 million people searched John 3.16 on Google. 90 million, imagine if half of those people gave their life to the Lord that day. That is 45 million people that are now going to heaven. And just think if that was his one moment of glory for the Lord, how the enemy was trying to abort that. 45 million people that wouldn't have gone to, to heaven if, if Tim Tebow wasn't born and, the, and God didn't use him. Does that make sense? Like, so what I'm trying to say is like, think about that in a spiritual way that God has something amazing for your life. And not only one thing, he has multiple things that he's going to use you for, but he's trying to abort that in your life. He may not try to kill you, but he's going to abort your dreams. He's going to abort your aspirations. He's going to abort your encouragement, your hopes, anything to keep you from going on to the next level. He's gonna tell you all these things and that's why I'm trying to share on condemnation is that condemnation is real and each and every one of us go through it. And if you can call the enemy's bluff and hold on to God's truth, you're gonna, you're gonna blossom. Like the Lord is gonna bless you and he's gonna use you. So um, in that, um, it's so important to understand the nature of God's forgiveness and his di- desire to wash us clean from our past. It is also important to saturate yourself in God's truth because the enemy will use any sin, any flaw to tear you down and you need to be knowledgeable of what God's word says. So I'm pretty sure everybody here would agree that God's word is truth, right? Right? I hope so. So if God's word is truth, then shouldn't we believe everything that he says? Think about that. Do you believe everything that God says? Because if you really did believe what he said, you wouldn't fall into condemnation. Because you would understand where you stood in the master plan. So, yeah, let me. Um, So I was just going to go into a little thing about is the Bible reliable, but um, I'm just going to keep that short because that's like a completely different sermon. And we can go in deep on that. Um, But the thing is, don't let people come to you and tell you stupid lies that, the Bible 
is a fairy tale book or that it is, um, it's been translated too many times. And if you personally don't know the answer to that, do some research. Start researching and find out because there is scientific proof that God exists. There is philosophical proof that God exists and the things of the Bible have occurred. There is um, historical proof that God exists and that his Bible exists and everything in the Bible has happened. But the thing is, this world, what they try to do, they try to blind you and they try to cover you with these lies and they try to saturate you in this, this just disgusting mess of un, like just not truth. So I'm not really being clear, but in that you need to stay grounded. And you can't, of course, you can't defend yourself if you don't know. So that's why we need to be in the word. That's why we need to be researching. We need to understand the, the historical, the philosophical, the scientific proof that proves the Bible. And on top of that, if the Bible is just a book of fairy tales, then why is it banned in at least 52 countries? No one goes to jail for reading the Iliad, the Odyssey, or Aesop's fables. Have any of you guys heard of any of those? In, in, later, in later high school and early college, you know, in your literature classes and stuff, you'll talk about those. But I'm pretty sure none of you guys go to bed thinking, hey, did Homer really exist? Or the Iliad's not banned from China but the Bible is. It's just kind of funny that um, people say that these things are just fairy tales, but yet they're banned from countries. Why would they be banned from countries if it's not the truth of God? Kind of makes sense? All right. So anyways, and then going back into what I was saying. Um, so if the Bible is reliable and God's word is truth, then we need to believe that God's, what God's word says, right? And in that, that's how we can fight condemnation. I think I have that on the paper. We can fight condemnation with blank. With God's word. All right, so I'll let you guys write that in. So knowing that, how do we fight condemnation with God's truth? And when the enemy is flaunting your sin flaws in your face, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You pull up that scripture and you be like, listen up. Jesus says X, Y, and Z. And that's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to go over. So those flashcards, that's the whole purpose of these flashcards. So the first six scriptures that I go over, I want you guys to write down these on the flashcards because it's so important that in those times where you don't even know what to pray, you pull out these flashcards and you're like, you know what? God, I don't even know what to pray right now. The enemy's coming after me. I feel so weak. I feel so stupid. I am falling too far from your grace. But then you're like, oh wait, no, it says that Jesus is forgiving me if I repent. And that you're saved by grace and not, or you're saved by faith and all these other things. So uh, you guys got your flashcards out? All right, so right now we're gonna do, uh, oh, what's that? Oh, yep, we did that. All right, so the first one, Romans 8, 1, 2. For if by the trespass of one man, uh, yep, Man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? I'm sorry, that's the wrong scripture up there. Uh, well, you guys can write it. Go ahead, write it, write it. But it's just the wrong scripture number. The one that it was supposed to be, sorry, I translated it wrong. It was supposed to be, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law for the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So what are we talking about? We're talking about conviction and condemnation, and that straight up says that condemnation does not come from Jesus Christ, and that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. So if you guys want, you can just write down Romans 8, 1 through 2, and you can do it on your own time. Sorry, I messed that up. Or you can write that one and find out whatever scripture that goes to. Thank you. A plus for you. Either or. I messed that up. My bad. It's a good verse, but it's not the one I was meaning to. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on to the next one. This one's correct. So uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Can anybody tell me why this verse is so important? Because it means that we are prideful 
Yep. Yep. And it says that it's by God's grace. You cannot do anything to gain God's favor. Because if you could, if you could be good enough, then how good is good enough? If you think about that. When you, when you stand in a row of 10 people, who are you to say that you're better than anybody else? It would become a competition like, oh, I'm good enough. I did this, I did this, I did this. But the thing is, God doesn't want us to boast. And that's why we're saved by his grace through our faith in Jesus Christ, not by anything else. And that's why it's so important because a lot of times when the enemy comes to condemn us, he's like, hey, you're not good enough. You're not this, you're not that. And you can say, yeah, you know what? I'm not good enough, but I'm saved by grace, right? Are we done with that one? Okay. All right, the next one, this one's, uh, you guys can also look these up on your own too if you don't finish in time. This next one is huge because this has to do with um, conviction and condemnation, which is First uh, John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Can anybody tell me what that means? Um, so it's saying that if we confess our sins, you don't have to be guilty anymore. Those feelings of guilt are gone because Jesus wipes you clean. That condemnation, like you can repent of your sins, but the enemy can still condemn you. That's why you got to pull out the scripture and be like, you know what? I'm forgiven. I don't care what you say. You can't hold me guilty to this anymore because guilt is bondage. And so when you pull out the scripture, you'd be like, hey, enemy, it says that I'm forgiven when I repent. And he can't say anything to that. All right, next one. Job 42.2. Is it on it? Um, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Thwarted? Thwarted. Thwarted. It's a weird word. Um, and what that's talking about is he's saying to God, I know you can do all things. No plan of yours can, can be aborted. And that shows God's sovereignty. That means that even if your life is upside down and you don't know what's happening tomorrow and you know people are dying in your life or you lost your job or you know you're being persecuted and you know your family members are being beheaded it's okay because God is sovereign he has a plan over everything it's not going to be the plan that you want for your life but it's the plan that he originally had for your life so why that's so important because it shows you that God is sovereign that it's okay like in the midst of all of the chaos God is in control make sense all right, next one is, what, which flashcard are you guys on? Okay, uh, so Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of completion, I'm sorry, until it on to completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. So that means that the good work that Jesus started in your life, you gave your life to Jesus, and that's because Jesus seeked you first, and then you decided to respond to his request to come to heaven. He's going to continue that good work that he's starting in you. A lot of times, like I said, I keep using this example. Satan will tell you you're never going to get it right. God's never going to use you. He's never going to finish what he's done in your life. And that's when you pull out the scripture and be like, you know what? It's okay, because God has started a good work in my life, and he's going to bring it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Like, it's not over until it's over. All right. So next one. Oh, okay. And they're on your paper. This one too. So uh, next one is Romans 8, 17. Uh, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs to God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So that just goes to show you that this life isn't all about God bending backwards for you guys. It's not about God being a token machine where you put a quarter in, you throw a prayer up, and you're like, hey, God, like, I want a million dollars. It goes to show that we have to suffer. This life is going to have suffering in it. And I know some of you guys have gone through things before, and it just reproves that, and it just shows that it's okay. Like, suffering's going to happen, but that's why heaven is so glorious, is because all of the suffering that you have here on earth is going to pay off. Like, a lot of times people like to use that, I have hope. What do you have hope in? I have hope and hope. 
So you hope that hope is going to happen. What do you have faith in? Oh, I have faith that things are going to work out. Doesn't that sound really flimsy to you? Like without Jesus in the picture? How can you have faith in anything? Like you, like, do you understand how shallow that is? I have faith without Jesus in the picture. I have faith that everything's going to work out. What if everything doesn't work out? When you have faith in Jesus Christ, it goes to show that, yeah, things may not work out the way that I want them to, but it's okay because my suffering is going to be paid off in heaven. Yeah? Um, and then we have Romans 8, 37, 39, which is, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we're what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can anybody tell me what that means? It's really relevant to what we talked about tonight. Go ahead, Summer. Yeah, and it just goes to show too that no condemnation can separate you from the, the love of God. No lie of the enemy can separate you from the love of God. And so that's why it's so important to hold on to that scripture. And then the rest too are on your paper, and I think these are just really important for you guys to flip through and to have so that you can understand. And the thing is too, a lot of these are applicable in all situations, but it's really important to, to look up the context of them. Right, so like, remember what we went over last week and um, on Monday night, Kaipo was talking about not trail mix uh, Bible scripturing, meaning that you pick out all the M&Ms from scripture. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. So you actually eat all the trail mix, you look at the whole picture, you understand what's being said. He used the example last week of Jeremiah 20, uh, 29.11. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Yeah, he was saying that to the Israel but he wasn't really saying that to you because scripture says, like we said earlier, that we're going to suffer as Christ suffered. So you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't take it out of context. You guys got to put in the time to look at these. But a lot of these, like I said, are very universal. I try to pick ones that are not necessarily for that group of people he was talking to. It means us as Christians. So um, last one that I really like um, is Psalm 103, 13, 14, which I actually spoke about in the podcast. And as the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Does anybody? What, is, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, no takers on that? On what that means? That means, you know how we went through the heart check earlier? And you guys were like, wow, I, I'm pretty sinful, you know? And on top of that sinfulness, if you repent, you know, God washes you clean of those sins. But at the same time, it helps you from keeping fresh, getting frustrated with yourself. It's like, you know what? God remembers that I'm made of dust. He remembers that I'm a sinful person. And I think that's so powerful because it's just like, it's okay. The God of the universe understands that we are dirty people. And I'm not going to say he's okay with that. But at the same time, he has grace for us. That's why he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. So, and then I have these other scriptures for you, um, which you guys can go through. They're all on your paper. Um, and, and like I said, you can turn these all into flashcards, but I wanted to give you guys a couple flashcards so that in those times where you're like getting hit by the enemy and he's telling you like how worthless you are and that you have no purpose for your life and all this kind of stuff, you can be like, you know what? Pull out the scriptures and say them. Say them till you believe them. Because what did we say earlier? God's word is truth. And if God's word is truth, then that means we have to believe it. And that's how we fight condemnation. That's how we tell the enemy that, you know what? 
yeah, you know what? I did sin yesterday or I did sin this morning, but I repented and I'm good to go. Like you cannot hold me. You cannot bondage me to that sin because I am set free. And the more you tell yourself that and you remind yourself of that, the more you're just gonna be lifted free in Jesus Christ. You're not gonna be held down to that anymore. And I think, like, I just really hope you guys understand that. And um, I really hope that the enemy, I mean, um, the Holy Spirit just starts to reveal some of those things that the enemy has been condemning you guys on so that you guys can fight those. And um, that's what I had on the, back, on the back of this paper, which was list three things that the enemy has contemned you on. So I want you guys to take time right now and to think about it and just write down what are some things that the enemy has been lying to you about. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not doing anything with your life that you're never going to be good enough, that you're whatever, whatever. I want you guys to write those down because it's really important to identify the problem. You can't fix the problem if you don't identify it. So take some time. Pray about it if you want, um, if, you, if they don't come off, you know, off the top of your head. But I just really want you guys to, to take some time and think about that. All right, does anybody want to share one of their ones that the enemy has been condemning you on? Go for it. Amen. And that's because he knows your impact that you're going to have at that job. You know? Kaeo knows he can preach to that. He's repping Jesus on trilogy. <laughs> right? Anybody else want to share uh, uh, how the enemy has been condemning you? And it's super good to share because, like, it, a lot of times, like, you never know who it's going to touch. Yeah? Some people in here might be, like, they may not realize that that's how the enemy is condemning them. You know, and it's going to bring awareness to it. You know, it's going to help bring truth in it. Anybody else? Alrighty. Um, and the bottom portion of this paper, I had, which of God's truths listed or not listed above can help you overcome the lies that the enemy is telling you and why? So basically, you know, go by each, for example, like her, her experience that she just shared. You know, find scriptures that, can, can show you that God has a purpose for that, you know, has a purpose for her working at that job and that she can hold on to, you know, when she goes every day and the enemy's trying to keep her from going to her job. Or there's um, scriptures in here that talks about, like, maybe you don't think you're pretty enough or you're this or you're that. Well, scripture says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knows the amount of, and that God loves you. And you were made in God's image. When you don't think that you guys are worthy, um, it's like slapping God in the face because... You were made in God's image. So when you're saying like, oh, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not this, I'm not that, you're slapping him in the face and you're saying that God is not beautiful. Yeah, that's kind of heavy, right? It's going to keep you accountable to that and be like, wow, you know what? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So um, that's an example. And you can just go through this list and that's the thing. Hold on to the truth so you can recognize when the enemy is coming and telling you that. And he slips those lies in real quickly and really smooth because he knows the impact that God's going to have through you guys. So, um, message of hope. God is not sitting in heaven ready to smite you with lightning every time you sin. 
he sent his one and only son to redeem you, that even though you are sinful and feel like you're never going to get it right, it's okay. Do not be okay with sinning, but repent of your sin. Do not dwell in it and move forward. And on top of that, Jesus did not die for you to punish yourself. Yeah? Meaning that dwelling on your sin. Jesus was punished for your sin on the way to the cross and on the cross. And there's no more punishment in that. So just be quick to repent. When you, when you sin, just be like, God, please forgive me and move on. Don't sit in it because that's what the enemy wants you to do. Think about if you mess up and then you go guilty, you feel guilty for three days and you don't leave your house and all these things. Think of all the opportunities that the Lord might have had for you in those three days. You know, maybe he was going to use you to encourage somebody or bless somebody or maybe he was going to use somebody to encourage you. But because you were sitting in your sin, you're just like, eh, I don't know, you know, I'm going to just sit in here and I'm going to sit to myself. God wasn't able to bless you. So, um, and the fact that Jesus died on the cross, don't take that for granted because we're all sinful. But um, it's okay at the same time because Jesus died for us and he, you know, kept us from going to hell, from being condemned to hell. And that's super, super heavy. Um, and I just hope you guys really start to realize that as, as God starts and continues to work in your guys' lives. So, um, yeah. So what are three things we learned from tonight? Anybody, come on. Are you raising your hand? Conviction is good. And who does conviction come from? Amen. She got it right. (laughs) Anybody else? What's another thing? We need another two. Number two. Yes. Amen. At least you got it right. All right. That's all right. Okay. And number three. Let's get a nice in-depth. Yes. You can always be forgiven if... Amen. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. All right, um, so let's just close out in prayer. If you guys have any questions, you guys can come and ask me after. Um, But everybody, please bow your heads, close your eyes. Um, Father God, thank you so much for tonight, Lord. Thank you so much for your truth, Lord. I just pray that you continue to just um, write this truth on everybody's tablet, God, of their heart. I just pray that you continue to just submerge this so deep in their soul, God, that um, when the enemy comes to them, Lord, that there's no, they're not going to be shaken, God. They're not going to be a wave tossed in the wind, Lord, that they're going to hold on to your truth and they're going to know, God, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, God, that they're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ who loved them, God, that if they confess their sins, God, you are faithful and just to forgive them, Lord. God, that you sent your one and only son to die on the cross. God, that you remember that we're dust, And that you love us so much, God, that we were made in your image. So, God, I just pray that they continue to just understand your truth, God, and hold on to that truth in those times, God, of those trying times, Lord, those trials and tribulations and temptations, Lord, and just know that um, you are sovereign, God, that no plans of yours can be thwarted. And I just thank you so much for that, Lord. And I thank you so much for you loving us and bringing us here tonight, God, and giving us good health, God, and giving us eyes to see and a mouth to speak and taste and a nose to smell and ears to hear and a heart that properly works and lungs that can actually breathe and legs that actually can walk, God. A lot of these things we take for granted, Lord. And I just pray that we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the house over our heads, God. Thank you for the food on our tables, God. Thank you for the education that you give us. Thank you for the Bible that you've given to us, God, and that it's not persecuted here in America yet, that we can have a Bible in our house without getting beheaded, God, or taken off to jail. I thank you for that. I thank you that we can talk about Jesus Christ openly and in this church. I just thank you so much for all of your blessings, Lord. You've blessed this country so much, God, and I just pray that we stand for you, God, in this time of need, that you continue to raise up warriors in here, God, and just encourage that each person in here can be a nation changer, Lord. God, I just pray that you cover them in the blood of Jesus Christ and I pray that you encamp angels around them, God, and just continue to lift them up, Lord, and draw them closer to you, Lord. And I pray that they don't let any sin get in the way, Father God, of you and theirs relationship. I thank you so much, God, for each person here. I pray that you continue to be with them, Lord. I pray that um, they hold on to these flashcards, God, and keep adding to them your truths so that in those times where they don't even know what to pray, God, they can pray these flashcards, God, and be like, you know what? I'm not perfect, but Jesus is, and he covers my sins. So Lord, thank you so much for tonight, and in Jesus' name, amen.